Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Acts chapter 1, so good to see you today. Acts chapter number 1. If you're a guest with us today, thank you so much for being here today. And I hope that you have enjoyed the time of worship. And uh, now for all of us today, I hope that you will allow the Word of God to speak to you and uh, minister to your hearts today. I want to preach a message today on the history of the first church and what we can learn. How many of you like history? Great, I love history. And one of the benefits of learning history is so that you don't repeat the same mistakes. And Acts, the book of Acts, tells us the history of the uh, New Testament church. What a wonderful history it is in many cases, but there's also some things that we can learn that uh, we need to be challenged from here today as well. Acts chapter number one, and um, I want to look at verse number seven and eight. The book of Acts begins with the ascension of Jesus Christ. So all through the gospels, we find that Jesus Christ is born. Then we find his purpose, his ministry, and then we find his, his uh, death and his burial and his resurrection, the gospel message. And we find his whole purpose coming to this earth was to to die, die for your sin debt and my sin debt, and to then rise again from the grave. And now the Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father, and Acts chapter number one tells us of his ascension back to heaven. In verse number seven, these are words of Jesus, and he said unto them, he's speaking to his disciples, those that were following him, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now in verse number 7, verse number 7, Jesus says something that is, is a little unusual, I think, as, you, as you're taking all of this in context. He, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. There's something here that Jesus says, this is not for you. And then in verse number eight, he says, but this is for you. So you're not going to know everything that the Father has, and you're not, you don't know everything he's going to do. You don't know when he's going to do it, and he, you don't know uh, all the things that the Father knows, but this is for you, and that is this, that you be witnesses. And then I want you to notice in verse number eight, he says, witnesses, not in just one location, but he says witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most part of the earth. So in verse number seven, Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't spend time on the things that you can't control, but rather do what you're supposed to do, and that is this, be a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there are so many things in life that we, we, we can't control, yet we spend so much of our time on those things, don't we? 
How many of you ever been stressed or worried about something that was out of your control and you knew it was out of your control, but you still stressed, you still worried? Most of us lose sleep over things that we can't control. Most of us worry about things that we can't control. Matter of fact, if you take it in context here, there are so many messages, there are so many uh, um, uh, followers of the Word of God, there's so many that spend so much time on things, and yet they fail to do the things that they're called to do. Now, I, I love Bible prophecy. I've preached since I've been here, I've preached uh, several, several weeks, uh, I think a 12-week message on Bible prophecy. And I think Bible prophecy is, is wonderful, as long as it leads us to being active in preaching the gospel. There's, there's books that were written. How many, of you are, how many of you are born in 1988? Not born in, but alive, I should say, in 1988. You know, you say, why do you ask that? Because the teens the other night, um, and I, I just haven't gotten over this yet, the teens the other night had um, 90s night. Like, you know, you dress up like the olden days. <laughs> Old-fashioned. They had, they had old-fashioned Wednesday night in youth group, and they dressed up like 90s. And um, I, I don't think that's that old. I, I, I took great offense to that, uh, dressing up like 90s. In 1988, there was a book that was written, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Was Coming Back in 1988. It was a bestseller. And... Um, and he didn't come back in 1988. And so he came back and wrote a book on, on uh, I think, why he was wrong and why Jesus has come back in 90 or 92 or something like that. And he was wrong on that as well. And so much attention is put on some of the things that we have no power over. And Jesus is cautioning the disciples of this. Now, what's interesting, I want you to understand this because we're going to look through the book of Acts here. We're going to do a, a, a survey of the book of Acts here, uh, maybe a, not necessarily a typical Sunday morning message, but I want you to understand this because he's giving his disciples something he wants them to concentrate on. And that is simply this, making Jesus Christ and the gospel known in their city and throughout the world. That was their mission. That's what they were called to do. In anything that you put your emphasis on or anything that you begin to think about and make a priority outside of what the main priority is, it will keep you from doing what God has called you to do. And we live in a world where there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of what worry, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of issues. And if we're not careful as a church, we can put our emphasis on things that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when I say us as a church, what I mean is us as individuals, us as families, because you are the church. I am the church. We're the church. And what we do with our lives matter for the Lord's sake. And so here we find in chapter number one, verse number seven, Jesus is saying, don't be concerned with the things that you can't control. And then we find him in verse number two saying this, the furtherance of the gospel is the command. Be concerned with getting the gospel to all the world. This is our purpose. And this is what every single one of us ought to be concerned with 
Verse number eight, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. This is what they did. Look with me in Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter two, just stay with me. We're gonna do a little survey in the book of Acts, and we're gonna look at this early church, the history of the first century church, or the history of the first church here in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter number two, the disciples are obedient to the Lord. And what do they do? They go and they wait. They wait upon the Lord, and the Holy Spirit comes, and in verse number one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. This was the Holy Spirit. This is what the Lord told them, wait upon the Holy Spirit. Verse number eight, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. This is exactly what the Lord said. And once that power comes upon you, this is exactly what Peter begins to do in verse uh, uh, number number uh, uh, 37, uh, or down through, through this chapter, we find where Peter begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter number two, they were obedient to the Lord's command. Now, in obedience to the Lord's command, I want you to see the result of this. Look with me in verse number 37. And I know this isn't new for many of you here today, but stay with me here, please, if you would. We find the obedience to verse number eight, and that is this. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation." Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And this is what the result was. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking up bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. Now, I want you to understand what's happening here. In Acts chapter number two, they were obedient to the God's command, to Jesus Christ in verse number eight. Jesus says in verse number seven, don't be concerned with the things that, that, that are up to the Father. Don't be concerned with the times and seasons. Just let God be God, and this is what we want you to do. We want you to take the gospel message and be witnesses of Jesus Christ and preach the gospel. And this is what they did in chapter number two. And in chapter number two, 3,000 souls were saved in one, in one message. And not only were 3,000 souls saved, we find in the last verse of chapter number two that people were added to the church daily. The church just began to grow. The other thing that we find here multiple times, you would find this, they were in much unity. They were in one accord, the Bible says. 
There was something special that was happening in this church, in this place, because they were being obedient to the word of God. Obedience to the word of God and the command of God brings God's blessings. How many of you want God's blessings today? I do. I want God to bless this church. It comes through obedience. And obedience, according to Acts chapter number one, was proclamation of the gospel message. And we see the result of this. Look with me in Acts chapter number three. Acts chapter three, they were focused on the same thing, and that was this, making Jesus Christ known. Look with me, if you would, please, in verse number one of chapter number three. Now, Peter and John went up together into the, into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his, mother womb, his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate to the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, and asked an alms. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said this, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, there's something interesting about this verse. Peter is not consumed or concerned with the things that he has no control over. What does he say? Silver and gold have I none. This is up to the Lord. He's going to supply. He's going to meet my needs. He's promised to meet my needs. These are things that I'm not concerned with. But what is he concerned with? He says this, but what I do have, and that's verse number eight, is I'm going to give to you, and that is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter is being obedient once again in chapter number three. I don't have the things that I'm not worried about, and I'm not going to be consumed with that, but what I am consumed with is this, telling you who Jesus Christ is. And when we see them obedient to the word of God, then we see these things happen. Look with me in verse number seven. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. What happened unto him? Jesus Christ. The man learned of Christ. He was healed. Again, please stay with me here this morning. This might be a slow introduction, but I want you to understand because learning history is vitally important. Jesus gave a very clear command to the church, to his disciples. Don't be concerned with the things that you don't need to be concerned with, but be concerned with the main thing, main purpose, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter number two, we see this happen, and we see great unity in the church. We see the Holy Spirit working in the church. We see the church growing. We see the church thriving. And most importantly, what we see are people coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In chapter number three, we see the same thing. 
Peter and John, they're not worried about uh, finances. They're not worried about the things they have no control over. What they're worried about is this, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they do, we see people come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And people are amazed with what's happening with these that are called Christians, these that are claiming the name of Jesus Christ, these unlearned men, these followers of Jesus Christ, preaching this doctrine of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, look at the power that they have and they're amazed and they're not amazed necessarily with the apostles they're amazed with this doctrine they're amazed with this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the more they're in unity the more they're preaching the gospel the more obedient they are to the call that God has given on them in verse number eight the more glory God receives, the more men and women turn to Jesus Christ, and the more people are gloriously saved. What a wonderful church. How many of you would like to be a part of a church like this? I know I would. What an amazing church. And this is what they did all through Acts chapter number two. They preached the gospel. Thousands were saved and daily they would be added, added to the church. Acts chapter 3, they're focused on the same, making Christ known. Healing and preaching of Jesus Christ. Into the uh, case where they're not even concerned what's going to happen to them. They're not concerned about going to jail. They're not concerned about being beaten. They're not concerned about the, the, uh, the, the fleshly things that might befall them because they were obedient to the word of God. I want you to go with me to chapter number four. Chapter four. Peter and John are now arrested. What are they arrested for? They're arrested for, for preaching the gospel. And as they spake, in verse number one, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in the hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. And look with me in verse number four. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Now we preach a lot. We preach a lot about Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 people were added to the church. But in Acts chapter number four, 5,000 were saved. 5,000 heard the message, and they heard the message while Peter and John were being taken and, and put in a, a chains because of preaching the gospel. This persecution and this problem that came into the church wasn't a, a major issue. This was just simply a part of them preaching the gospel. And they were enthused and they were ready. They weren't giving up. And while they were preaching the gospel, thousands of people once again are going to receive Christ as their Savior. No, no, no worries. You don't find in chapter number four, Peter and John are now fearful and concerned of what's going to happen to them. They are, they're excited about preaching the gospel. They just keep preaching and people continue to be saved. Look, look with me in verse number 29 of this chapter. <clears throat> this is their response. Their response is not, let's try to keep this quiet. Let's try not to get too much attention. Let's, let's be careful because now they're putting us in jail. I want you to see the response. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings 
and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak their word. Now, this verse is so convicting. Verse number 30, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that the signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and there spake the words of God with boldness. In, in this latter end of chapter number four, now they're arrested, problems are coming. But what are they doing? They're continuing to be obedient to the word of God, to the command in verse number eight of chapter one. They're not concerned. And I love verse number 29. They're not saying, Lord, protect us and keep us from harm and, 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 and help us not to get into trouble and, and keep us from being arrested. Instead, they say this, Lord, give us more boldness. Help us to continue to preach your word. Help us to stay focused on the things that you've called us to. And when they did, look at me again in verse number 30. They said this, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, they want to see more people healed like the lame man that was healed that put him in jail. Now, how many of us would ever pray for that? I'm in jail for healing this person. Lord, give me more people to heal. We're in jail for praying and for, for, for preaching, and they say this, and we want more signs and more wonders that may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. They're saying, Lord, everything we've done, give us more. Give us more power. Give us more healing. Give us more opportunity. Give us more preaching. We want Jesus Christ to be known. They weren't saying, Lord, keep us from jail. They weren't concerned with the things they didn't have any control over. They were concerned with the things that they were told to be concerned with. And that was preaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And when they did, God worked. God moved. And we see it because great unity and great fear and great power came upon them. And the other thing that they felt was the Spirit of God was moving in their midst. Please don't miss this. This is the history of the first century church. They gave to others. Look with me in verse number 32 of the same chapter. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Again, you know what he's saying? The things they haven't, didn't have control over, they didn't care. We'll let God figure those things out. And unity came and one accord came. And verse number 33, and with great and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Boy, I'm telling you, when I read through these first several chapters of Acts uh, 1 through Acts chapter 4 here, I am just moved, and I say, Lord, send that revival. Send that unity. Send that passion. Send that healing. Send your spirit. Send your grace. But it all came because of their obedience. Again, church, please don't miss this. All of those wonderful things were happening in the church because they were busy about doing what Christ told them to be busy about doing. 
witnessing for him, sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus Christ, telling people of, their, uh, of the Savior that came and died for their sin debt. They were found the gospel, giving the gospel. They were found preaching the gospel all through, all through Acts chapter number four. Wonderful, wonderful blessings came because of the gospel message. And then we come to chapter number five. In chapter number five, verse number one, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Why would they do this? Because again, remember back in the earlier chapter, they, they uh, sold all that they had, they put it together. Why? They weren't concerned. God will figure this out. What I have doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God. I'm not concerned about uh, wealth, or I'm not concerned about fame. I'm not concerned about the, I'm just concerned about being obedient to the Lord. And this is what they were doing. And here was a man and a wife who sold a possession. For what reason? To give so that everyone, their needs would be met. But in verse number two, they kept back a part of the price. His wife also being privy to it, or this was something, the Bible saying this was not something just Ananias did, but this is something the wife was a part of. And they brought the, a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said unto Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto man, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all of them that heard these things. The young men arose, wound them up, carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the same space of three hours after. Huh. They were all in church for three hours. Huh. A long time. His wife comes in. Not knowing what was done, she came in, and Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that thou... Ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Wow. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. In chapter number five, something changes. Now, something changes, and we just read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It only changes with two of the members. But two of the members in chapter number five become selfish. And I want you to write someplace in your notes, maybe on the, in the margin of your Bible there, selfishness sets in. Selfishness sets into the church. And now Ananias and Sapphira are concerned about the things that they were told don't be concerned about. Don't worry about. Don't stress about. God's going to meet your needs. Now, listen, in, verse, in chapter number 5, there was no need for Ananias and Sapphira to hold anything back. Now, I know what you're thinking. He's going to preach on giving right now. That's not what I'm going to do. 
That was a few weeks ago. This is even more important than that. This is about honesty. This is about being obedient to the Word of God. Here, these two come in and selfishness sets into the church. Why would they hold something back? Why would they keep something that they're not supposed to keep? And why would they lie about what they were going to keep? Why? Because they're concerned about things that they don't need to be concerned with. God is going to supply all their needs. God, the Holy Spirit of God, is going to bless the church, and everyone was going to sell their possessions, and everyone's needs were going to be met, and everyone was going to, to uh, uh, their needs supplied, and their family's needs were going to be met, and, 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 and the Lord was going to meet their needs through the obedience of the people, and the people were going to go out and just simply share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people were going to be healed, and the church was going to be added to, and the Holy Ghost was going to have great power, and people were going to be gloriously saved. That was the plan, but selfishness sets in. And now there's people within the church that are more concerned about what their needs are than they are about being obedient to the Lord. There's people in the church now, they got their eyes off the command and allowed it to affect their thinking. In chapter number five, things start to change in the church. And what begins to change is this. Verse number eight of chapter number one isn't the command that they're following. Now what they're doing is being selfish, thinking of themselves, thinking of their own things, thinking of their own benefit, and not trusting in the Lord. And death comes. Now I want you to see with me in chapter number six. Chapter number six. In verse number one, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. I want you to circle this word or underline this word, there arose a murmuring. Now the Grecians and the Hebrews there within Jerusalem are at odds with each other because someone is saying, my needs aren't being met or someone's not being cared for. And the place got, the, the, the church began to grow in such a way, and this is what begins to happen. And it happens in every place. The people become more focused upon themselves and their desires and their needs and not about getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out. They're concerned, there becomes murmuring, or that word murmuring is, is contention comes between the Grecians and the Hebrews here. Now, you say, well, these are, these are valid things. The widows were neglected in their daily administration, and the, the widow, widows shouldn't have been neglected. And, and we would agree with that. That's a wonderful thing that, that the people's needs were being met. But what word is described is this word murmurings come into place, or complaining comes in, or tensions come in. And it's one group against another. It's the Grecians saying, I think because we're Grecians, you're not caring for our widows. In verse number, verse number two, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men 
honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, whom ye may appoint over this business. And we find in chapter number uh, uh, six, we find where seven spirit-filled men are, are elected now to, to care for these things. In verse number two, the 12 disciples said this, we can't stop doing what God has called us to do. We need to stay focused on the Word. We need to stay focused on, on, on what God has called us to do. And we can't just stop and, and serve tables. We've got to stay focused on the command that Christ has given to us. Murmuring and complaining sets in. They get their eyes off the command and they allow this to affect their thinking. So in chapter number 5, selfishness sets in. In chapter number 6, murmuring sets in. I want you to go with me if you would please, to chapter number 8. Because we get to chapter number 8, and the church is still in Jerusalem. Now, the church has gotten large. The church had 3,000 people uh, in Acts chapter 2 get saved, and daily they were added to the church. Then we find another time where, where uh, Peter and, and, and John are, are, are preaching and they're arrested and they preach and 5,000 people and people are daily being added to the church. But the problem is this, the church in Jerusalem is growing. And the church in Jerusalem grew to such a place where in verse number six, uh, chapter number six, it was growing so fast, people began to murmur and complain because now my needs aren't being met. And the church stopped being what Christ told it to be. I want you to go back with me. We'll keep your, your finger there in verse, uh, chapter 8. Go back to verse number 8 of chapter number 1. He says this, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria in the uttermost part of the earth. Now, the church in Jerusalem is, is a growing church. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a church that is, is growing by the thousands. It's a church where the, the people have their needs met. It's a church where everyone, they're selling their possessions and, and their needs are being met. It's a place where there's unity. There's a place where the Holy Spirit of God is working. And there's a place of peace. And then all of a sudden, selfishness sets in. And then all of a sudden, murmuring sets in. The church is growing to the place where the focus now is upon the, themselves instead of what God has called them to do. They're now doing what Christ told them in verse 7 not to do. Don't be concerned with the things that are in God's hand. Don't be concerned with the things that are out of your control. Don't be concerned with the things that only God can deal with. You just be concerned with getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. And not just here in Jerusalem, he said, but also in Judea and also in Samaria and also in the uttermost part of the earth. This is your mission. And for eight chapters, up to seven chapters, chapters leading to chapter number eight, what do they do? They stay in Jerusalem. And as they stay in Jerusalem, problems set in. 
and people become more concerned about what their needs are and what the church can do for them and what they can get and what they can get, uh, keep. And, and all of these issues are now surrounding the church. And Christ said to them, I want you, once the power of God comes, I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. But they, they failed to take the gospel outside of Jerusalem. And when they stayed in Jerusalem, problems came. Their focus stayed upon themselves. And then I want you to see what God did in chapter number 8. In verse number 1, here's the, the apostle Paul before he was converted. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions. And look what God had to do. What did God tell them to do in verse number 8 of chapter 1? Be a witness where? Say it with me, church. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Where did they go? Jerusalem. And while they were in Jerusalem, selfishness sets in, complaining, murmuring sets in, and now God uses great persecution. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of where? Judea and Samaria. And God is going to use the Apostle Paul, the man named here, Saul, to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Persecution came in, and the church was scattered. Why, why did God have to bring great persecution in? The reason is they lost their zeal to accomplish the command that God called them to. Hear me, church. The church isn't always going to be in trouble. If we look at history, the church is always going to be in trouble when it gets busy about things other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we get worried about things that we don't need to worry about, when we get consumed about things we don't need to be consumed about, when we get our mind and our thinking on things that have nothing to do with the gospel and we begin to think about ourselves and begin selfishness. Do you know more people get discouraged and more people get upset and more people get um, uh, uh, off in church because of how they were treated or how they felt than they are about the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, it's important for us to study because we can get so lackadaisical, we can get so self-centered, we can get so consumed with ourselves where we think we're the priority and we lose focus on what the true priority is, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord stepped in and he scattered them. Look, look where they were scattered. They were scattered to the places where Jesus told them to go initially. They, they, they ended up going there, but look what God had to do. He had to, he had to bring persecution and, and make them go there. And I want you to write these four things down this morning. I said all that to bring us to these four statements that I want to make to you. And that is simply this, and I, and I want you to think about these four statements and let these sink in. Number one is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ is our mission. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our mission. I want you to pray, if you would please, this morning, Jeff Kaminsky is preaching 
at Bono Baptist Church this morning. Why? I, I said to Jeff, Jeff, you know, we, we're going to help this church and we need to fill the pulpit because I can't be there every week. And so we're going to help this church over in Bono about 45 minutes from here. And, 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 and Jeff said this, I, I think I can, but I, I've got, I've got uh, 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 security duty on Sunday. And I said, Jeff, we can find someone else to do security duty on Sunday. Go preach the gospel. He was so excited. We, we text back and forth yesterday and text this morning and told him we was praying for him. And oh, listen to me. The gospel is our mission, church. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what our concern ought to be. That same command that was given in verse number 8 of chapter number 1 is the same command that we're given here today. And that is this. Take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We're not to build a, a kingdom of ourselves. We're not to build a place where we come and everything is the way that we want it to be and everything is the way I have it and, and I like it. And that's not what church is for. The church is for to be a gospel-preaching, gospel-centered place where the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached and the lost hear the gospel and are gloriously saved. That's the purpose of the church. We must be consumed. We must be concerned that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out. That is our mission. Number two, I want to make this statement this morning to all of our church. Not only is the gospel our mission, number two, I ask our church, stay focused on our priority. Stay focused on our priority. Because the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And some he can devour through selfishness. Some he can devour through murmuring and complaining. Some he's going to devour because things you want the way you want them to be. And listen to me, stay focused on our priority, and that is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what it's all about. That is why we're here. This is our calling. This is our purpose. And this is our generation to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out. Oh, listen to me. I can't change what happened in the generation before me. And there's nothing I can do about the generation to come. But there is something we can do in this generation. And that is this. We as a church can commit to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to a lost and dying world. We can commit to stay focused upon the word of God. We can commit to stay in unity and focused and allow the Holy Spirit of God to give us power. I want to see God work in this generation, don't you? I want to see him work. Number three, I want to make this statement. I want you to write this down. In order to do this, we must keep our flesh out of any decision-making. We must keep our flesh out of any decision-making. Our flesh needs to die and the Spirit of God needs to be alive. We've got to die to our flesh. We've got to die to our, our hopes and our dreams and our desires. We've got to put away, as he said in verse number 7 of chapter 1, stop being consumed with the things that only God can do, and you just be consumed with what you've been called to do, and that is preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep our flesh out. And then number four... And that's this, to question, will you be determined to be a part 
of what God wants to do? Will you be determined to be a part of what God wants to do? You say, I want to be a part. I'm determined to be a part. Then you must choose to be obedient. Be obedient. Be obedient to making sure the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel, being a witness for Jesus Christ is your priority. Is it? Be determined to be a part I loved Jeff Kaminsky's heart. He said, I'll go preach. He's nervous this morning. He's been studying all week. He's got his message together. He said to me, I've been studying one message, and the Lord put something totally uh, different on my heart. And I said, welcome to studying, Jeff. That's what happens. He's all excited. He's going and preaching. I met with this church this past week and several of its leadership, and they said, we just need help. We, just, we don't want our church to die. We don't, want, uh, we don't want this property to be sold. We want to continue. We want your help. They were begging and saying, what can you do to help us continue to move this thing forward? Can you help us send preachers? Can you help us revitalize this work? And my heart began to stir, thinking, this is what God has said. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. Then I was driving home on Friday and I passed a sign and I had no idea Bono is in Jerusalem Township. I said, it must be of the Lord. (laughs) Church, will you be determined to be a part? And that means this. If we're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, some right here need to get involved in your Jerusalem. Church is not a spectator sport. Every single person should have a part. And then some need to be surrendered to leave Jerusalem and go to Judea and Samaria. And some even need to say, I'll take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the othermost. I'll take it around the world. I would love for us to willingly be obedient and not have to have God force it. Wouldn't you? The church here could have willingly done it and not had to wait till they were forced to do it. Because being forced to do it always hurts. And today, church, I just want to look at a history of the first century church. You know what I realize? Everyone's the same. People are people. Have you ever figured that out? No matter where you go, people are people. No matter what generation you're in, people are people. And the history of the first century church is something that we need to learn from. And that is this. When they were obedient, God blessed. When they were obedient, the Spirit of God fell. When they were obedient, people were being healed and people were being saved. But when they allowed their flesh to get in, problems came. And their focus changed. And their thinking changed. And God had to get their attention. And I want to challenge you with these four things today. Let me say these again to you one more time. The gospel is our mission. Staying focused is our priority. Keeping our flesh out is vital. And then the question is this, will you determine to be a part of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ?
You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.